Welcome to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. I'm your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are going on an audio journey back to the silent era of Hollywood. But it'll only take 15 or 20 minutes, so don't worry. This time on Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear, it's Bobby Connolly. Who's that? Find out after this. Rocky Point, Long Island, 1933. Guglielmo Marconi and David Sarnoff visit the birthplace of broadcasting. Radio's first castle was this rustic shack. In 1921, radio fans were all earphones listening to a pioneer station, WHN. Crystal Set Explorers hear such performers as Miriam Batista, child movie star. And that's not all. Today you can hear the melodious voice of Gabriel Russo. Welcome back to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. I am the aforementioned host, Gabriel Russo. And this is the aforementioned show, Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. This episode, we are looking back at the, probably the first, certainly one of the first male child stars, Bobby Connolly. Bobby Connolly was born Robert Joseph Bobby Connolly, April 4th, 1909. And he passed away, sadly, July the 5th, 1922. So, he did not, you can do the math on that one, he did not, did not survive all that long, did not have a long career. Like I said, he is one of the first male child stars of American motion pictures. He began his career in 1913 at the age of four. He was most well known for his Sonny Jim roles, which came later on. And I assume that's where the uh, the term comes from. Hey, Sonny Jim, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say that. Connolly's parents were vaudeville performers. Connolly got his start with the Calum Film Company. The Calum Film Company was out of New York City. They were found, founded in 1907 by George Klein, Samuel Long, and Frank J. Marion. K-L-M. That's how the studio got its name for their initials, K-L-M. <laughs> so Calum, one of the guys had been the uh, manager at Biograph Studios, and the other guy, Samuel Long, was the manager of the Biograph Production Facility in Hoboken, New Jersey. So they left, and needing to raise money, they got with George Klein, who was a Chicago businessman uh, and successful film distributor. So then he was bought out just a few years later. Anyhow... They also, they were able to lure general manager and director Sidney Alcott, who I've heard the name, huge early director. They lured him away from Biograph. He became the company's president. So Biograph, obviously they're just, they're just pilfering Biograph pictures. So they make their first movie called The Sleigh Bell, B-E-L-L-E. So it's about a woman riding around on her sleigh. They're one of the earliest motion picture studios. They're out of New York City. Kind of small, though, still. They didn't have any indoor stages, so most of their films were shot on location. In 1910, they went on location to Ireland, and uh, they were the first, they have the distinction of being the first movie studio to film on location, where they filmed in Blarney Castle, Glengariff, and the lakes of Killarney. So that's pretty neat. They're the first, fil- the first film company to shoot on location. So then they go to Palestine. Wow, then they go all over the place. They tell the, the story of Jesus. They also set up year-round 
They filmed year-round by setting up facilities in Florida during the winter in Jacksonville, Florida. So the Calum Company in 1917, just to skip ahead because this isn't about the Calum Company, (laughs) just to skip ahead, in 1917 they made... They had made close to 1,500 pictures, and they were sold to Vitagraph Studios. Now, Vitagraph Studios is also going to show up in this episode, featuring the life of Bobby Connolly. So he gets his start with with this uh, Calum Picture Company. In 1914, he switches over. He signs a contract with Vitagraph Studios, who we just talked about. So that's in 1914. So three years later, Vitagraph would just buy up Calum anyhow. So, like I said, Vitagraph was uh, based primarily in New York and New Jersey. That's close to where Connolly and his family lived. Vitagraph Studios were started in 1897 in Brooklyn. There's some of this is on the uh, the studio episode, which is one of the first ones I did. So, by 1907, it was the most prolific film company, and I mean it created some of the biggest, some of the earliest uh, big stars. The first uh, Les Mis film adaptation was was filmed through Vitagraph. Florence Turner was the Vitagraph girl and one of the world's first movie stars. Maurice Costello, the first of the matinee idols. Mo Howard of the Three Stooges came out of Vitagraph, got his start in Vitagraphs. So we're gonna re uh, we're gonna revisit. I'm just coming to this conclusion now, but we're gonna revisit Vitagraph Studios and some of the famous people that came out of here because it's really it's like a who's who from back then. And lately I've been trying to find um, firsts, famous firsts. And this just listed like four in a row. So so Vitagraph is huge. And it is a coup, you know, for young Bobby Connolly to, uh, to sign with them. So he appears in films with major players of the day, you know, as a young, as a young kid, obviously. He, uh, in 1914 and 15, that's when he goes on to portray Sonny Jim in a series of shorts about the adventures of a young boy. Now, I should I should say, I always try and say where I get my information. This It's usually Wikipedia, IMDb. This episode is SilentHollywood.com. The Silent Film Database came into play, because it had... Not a whole lot of places had anything on Bobby Connolly. And this just had a short write-up, basically. Uh, with an interesting quote from his publicity, from his, I guess, from Vitagraph. A clever, quote, A clever, manly little chap, earnest in manner and possessed of that frankness of extreme youth. Bobby Connolly was arguably the, the pioneer Vitagraph Film Company's most popular performance, performer in the early to mid-1910s. So this says he made his film debut at the age of three. The other one disputes that at the age of four. So the Sonny Jim pictures were just shorts. I looked and looked to try and find something about them, and uh, could find nothing, really. I found lots of stuff for Snookums, Sonny Jim McKean. But that's a different spelling, different, all that stuff. So the Sonny Jim silent films, they were uh, they were popular. Basically, you know, they were shorts, and they were probably just very innocent, you know, probably not even as, uh, probably not even our gang level. They're probably just very sweet little pictures, honestly. The Adventures of a Young Boy, he finds a frog. Sonny Jim finds a toad. You know, Sonny Jim, you know, eats an apple. <laughs> so, in 1917, he moves on. Well, not moves on, but he moves up, let's say. Moves up in the world and does a series of films called Bobby. 
He got his own series of films with his name in the title to emphasize his star billing. So he's on his way. He's 13, or he's, uh, I guess he's eight right now as he, as he comes into his own series of films. A lot of his films are lost. His sister, Helen Connolly, was also an actor of the time. She went under the name Helen E. Connolly, mostly known for a picture called Humoresque in 1920. The Prince in Disguise, 1915. She was also in the shorts that her brother starred in. She was in all the Bobby films. So he publicly had a preference for roles that required him to use crutches. I guess he thought that the sympathy was pretty smart thinking for a little kid. He's only eight at this time, eight or nine, you know. But he has a preference for roles that require him to use crutches because he's got the, you know, plays the sympathy card a little bit, I believe. He worked in a lot of, I mean, he did a lot of films. He, um, most of his stuff was for Vitagraph. He did do a couple of other pictures. He was in the aforementioned Humoresque with his sister, produced by Paramount Pictures. Uh, that's a story by Fanny Hurst, and it was a huge hit in 1920. It's, it says it, it is one of Connolly's few films to survive. So Fanny Hurst, she was a writer during the First World War era. A lot of movies, I mean, a lot of her works were turned into uh, were turned into movies. She also actively supported a number of social causes, including feminine. She was an earliest an early feminist. Uh, African-American equality, and New Deal programs. Her novels uh, were huge in the 20s and 30s, and uh, they were bestsellers when first published and translated into many languages. Today, in the 2000s, her books are mostly out of print, which is kind of sad. She's most well-known for the film adaptations of her works, where I guess she wrote the adaptations herself. So she was huge. So 1917 rolls around there's not a whole lot about bobby Connolly, and you get to back to these people that were well that died really young and that also were the first of something you know that goes way back and so in the selected filmography here there's only like seven or eight films but when you click on his uh on his filmography i mean he goes from 1912 you know and a lot of them are shorts a lot of them so not not as many features but that's all right it looks like he did well over yeah, he had 89 credits as an actor. That's for shorts as as well as features. Last film was The Wildness of Youth, where he played Teddy Wesley in 1922. That came out. So in 1917, he is diagnosed with endocarditis. Endo- endocarditis is an inflammation of the inner layer of the heart, the endocardium, usually involving the heart valves. Flu-like feeling, cardiac murmur, heart failure. Anyway, there are lots of ways to get it. It doesn't say how he got it. Rheumatic fever is a way common worldwide and, and responsible for many cases of damaged heart valves. They don't know what gave Bobby Connolly his case of it. And he, you're supposed to rest a lot while you ha- when you have that. But nevertheless, he was still allowed to keep his heavy work schedule. And by 1922, he was getting bigger and bigger, too, working... Uh, getting bigger growing up and getting bigger in films as well. In 1922, he became ill after completing work on the film Wildness of Youth. He returned home where he died in the family home on July the 5th, 1922 in Lynbrook, Long Island, New York. His funeral services were held at St. Raymond's Roman Catholic Church in Lynbrook. 
The home is no longer there. It was at 45 Spencer Avenue. So he actually died of bronchitis, which I guess was uh, brought on you know, by the endocarditis. So Wildness of Youth was directed by Ivan Abramson, starring Virginia Pearson and Harry T. Morey. Bobby Connolly, as a kid, I mean, he's way down on the bill, but because he's the star's son, it is not known whether the film currently survives or not. So what that means, I guess, is that they don't know of any copies that exist, but they are they don't want to classify it as lost because there might be someone somewhere that has one in there. You know, it hasn't been confirmed as lost somehow. Some I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Nineteen twenty. He really starts like he does one film in nineteen nineteen. It looks like and then he does three in nineteen twenty. He does, uh, he's in The Flapper, starring Olive Thomas, who was the star of our first episode of this show. That is the first film to portray the Flapper lifestyle, which would soon become the hugest 1920s fad. He also plays in a film, film called A Child for Sale, also directed by Ivan Abramson. Picture where the guy, He's a poor artist, and he has to sell one of his children to a th- for $1,000 to a childless rich woman. Wow. He soon comes to his senses and backs out of the deal. So he's getting, he's playing um, roles that are, you know, I mean, he's still a kid, but and he's still a kid in the roles, but he's, he's, he's br- definitely branching into uh, big, big productions. And the, the, the most famous one that he was in was this humoresque 1920. Uh, produced by Cosmopolitan Productions, released by famous players Lasky and Paramount jointly. It's the first film to win the Photoplay Medal of Honor, which is uh, which what came before the Academy Awards. So that's the precursor to the Academy Awards Best Picture, the Photoplay Medal of Honor. Who knew? In 1915, this film was picked by the Library of Congress, Selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. Very interesting. So it features, uh, well not features, it's the story of Abraham Cantor, born in the squalor of Lower East Side. He shows early musical ability that wins his mother's support despite any obstacles. Just as he is about to sign an important contract, he is called off to war. He returns after being wounded and pronounced crippled for life. He's broken in spirit and body and lost faith. Again, his mother's love comes to his support, and a happy result comes when he recovers the use of his arm, and again takes up the violin. 71 minutes. So these features were about as long as as, uh, as a picture today. Slightly shorter. Not much, though. So humoresque, and that's the picture that he was in, his, in with his sister as well. Like I said, he died at his at the family home in New York. And that is the story of Bobby Connolly, unfortunately. A little quick one today. They made 20 Sonny Jim shorts from 1914 to 1915. Isn't that interesting? They made 20 of them. So they were very popular. Old Sonny Jim. And that's probably the secret origin of that. Hey, Sonny Jim. He was born with an enlarged heart. That indirectly caused his death at the young age of 13 in 1922. That's rough. You never know. And then most of his films, 
Most of the films he appeared in were lost. It's hard to call him a star because he wasn't the star of any of the films. He was the star of the shorts, you know, that were written directly for him. But they kind of came first in the in the billing, you know, of of what was going, what was being shown. And so that is the story of Bobby Connolly. Um, thanks again to Wikipedia, to the silent film, www.silentfilm.org, silentfilm.com. Thanks to you, the listeners. Thanks to you, the internet, for listening. Yeah, we're going to do, I'm sorry, I'm just reading about Vitagraph Studios. So I'm reading about one thing and doing a podcast about another. I'm going to do Vitagraph Studios just because it looks like the sheer number of uh, people that got their start there or famous firsts in the business from there. Uh, it's really interesting. So, anyhow, look for that in a future episode. For now, I will say, you can follow me on Twitter, at GRusso1971. You can check out the Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear page on Facebook. Please go on iTunes and rate the show, review the show. But only if it's a five-star review. I guess that's going to do it for the day. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I am humbled every time I look at the uh, the numbers. It just blows me away. I'm just sitting here in my tiny little silly studio. The Lonely Studio, as I have dubbed it. Join me next time for a trip back in time to the silent era of Hollywood, where we will learn about the sounds of silence. Bye. Bye. <laughs>